Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me read you a little story before we get going. Listen to this. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went on a camping trip. After a good meal and a bottle of wine, they laid down for the night and they went to sleep. Well, some hours later, Holmes woke and nudged his faithful friend, Watson, look up and tell me what you see. Watson replied, I see millions and millions of stars. Well, what does that tell you? Watson pondered for a moment. Well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and that we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will all have a beautiful day tomorrow. Why? What does that tell you? Holmes said, Watson, you idiot, someone has stolen our tent. How many times do we not see something that's actually there? And we might call them blind spots. Uh, Definition, you got a pen? A definition of a blind spot is an area, listen, an area in which a person's view is obstructed. A blind spot. An area in which a person's view is obstructed. For example, while driving, you look in your rear view mirror to check other lanes. Sometimes there are spots that you can't see, maybe back, corner, right, left, back. So then you look over your shoulder to see if there is anything there, and then you're looking for those blind spots. Well, if you've been with us in John chapter 9, and just by show of hands, you've been with me in John chapter 9, just by show of hands, uh, that's most of you, then you know that the Pharisees have a blind spot. And the blind spot is the fact that the Lord of the Sabbath is among them. So far, Jesus has been making all kinds of fantastic claims to be the Son of God, claims that he's the Savior of the world, claims that he is the Messiah. Jesus is not all talk. Jesus has backed up and verified those claims with signs and wonders and miracles and his own teaching. Well, here in John chapter 9, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath, And the man could see. And the man probably came back running and seeing stuff he's never seen. So this afternoon, listen, this is our final section in John chapter 9. And this final section has the final conversation between Jesus and the man born blind. This afternoon, we're going to see the ultimate end of that healing miracle. Got a pen? This section, this small section divides nicely into two parts. And I didn't even want to make a slide for it because it's so easy. First of all, 
we're going to talk about spiritual sight. Spiritual sight. We'll find that in verses 35 through 38. And then lastly, spiritual blindness in verse 39 through 41. Spiritual sight and spiritual blindness. Spiritual sight is illustrated by the beggar. Spiritual blindness is illustrated by the Pharisees. I've titled this sermon, Blind Spot. John chapter 9, saints, we pick up in verse 35. If you're looking at verse 35, I need you to say a hearty amen. Jesus heard that they had cast him, talking about the blind beggar, out. And when he had found him, he said, Jesus said to him, do you believe in the son of God? And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. And then he, the blind beggar, said, what did he say, saints? Lord, I believe. And he did what? Worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. And then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words, said to him, are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin." But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you haven't been with us, many things have taken place uh, so far. Back in chapter 8, Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees. And he's really made them angry because he continues to claim to be God. And finally, they're so angry, they pick up stones to stone him. And when they grabbed some stones, Jesus got out of sight. You know that. Well, that brought us to chapter 9, verse 1. Go ahead and look at verse 1 in chapter 9. Jesus is on his way out of the temple, and he saw a blind man just sitting there, probably begging, alms to the needy, alms to the needy. And Jesus decided by his sovereign divine initiative to heal the man. Did you hear me? Jesus decided by his divine initiative, sovereign divine initiative. You might want to write that down. Sovereign divine initiative to heal the man. The man was healed. He went to his neighbors. Well, y'all with me in chapter nine, you know all this. He went to his neighbors and they couldn't believe it. And then they took him to the Pharisees and they said, what's going on here? How did this happen? And besides, it happened on the Sabbath and that's a no-no. And the blind man is questioned by the Pharisees and they ask his parents, And they questioned him again, and he said, I told you already, and they refused to believe because they had already concluded that Jesus is a sinner. And they're going back and forth. You know, you've been with me. They've been going back and forth and trying to figure things out. In verse 24, look at verse 24, chapter 9. In verse 24 and 25 of chapter 9, they tried to coerce the man into agreeing with them that Jesus was a sinner. And they said, give glory to God. He's a sinner, right? And in verse 25, don't you love verse 25? He answered, look at verse 25. Y'all looking at it? If you're looking at verse 25, see, I'm looking at it. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I know, somebody read it with me, that though I was blind, now I see. Now listen, here's the blind spot for the Pharisees. Jesus has healed the man. The man is staring them right in the face and they don't believe they won't believe 
Because when you have a spiritual blind spot, you can't see what God's doing. Did you hear me? When you have a spiritual blind spot, you can't see what God's doing. And the more they harass this man, the more resolute and strong he became in his testimony of what happened. And I told you, you, you know, I told you, when folk can't win an argument, they start to get angry. And they start cursing and spitting and cussing. And Amen. Well, in our text, they got angry with the man. And they're calling him names and cursing. Look at verse 34 in chapter 9. They picked him up and they unsynagogued him. Remember I told you the words cast out mean, means unsynagogued? They unsynagogued him, which meant that they put him out of the temple. They put him out of the life of Israel. They eliminated him because they couldn't tolerate his testimony. Well, that brings us to verse 35. Jesus heard that they had unsynagogued him and cast him out. And I don't think the man really cared. Honestly, he probably thought I was leaving anyway. No, it's almost like that. You, you can't find me. I quit. He's probably like, I don't care. I was leaving anyway. He was having a great day with God and a miserable day with them. And if my guess is right, this man went straight to the temple. The Bible says Jesus heard that they had cast him out. We don't know how Jesus heard or exactly where he went. But we do know that Jesus came looking for him and found him. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, what we have here is divine initiative. Divine initiative. Divine initiative rises out of divine sovereignty. Write it down. Divine initiative rises out of divine sovereignty. Divine initiative teaches that Jesus comes looking for us. We don't go looking for him. He found me. Somebody say a better amen than that. He found me. Don't you love it when people say to you, when you tell them you're a Christian, they go, oh, I'm so glad you found God. I'm so glad you found God. I'm like, that's, that's not correct. We didn't find God. First of all, he wasn't lost. Second of all, we weren't looking for him. He found us. Get your theology right. The, the, this blind beggar, he never said a word to Jesus. If you read the story, you'll see that. He never said a word to Jesus. It was Jesus' initiative to see the man. Jesus bent down, put clay in his eyes, said, go wash. He did. He saw. Jesus sought him and Jesus healed him physically and then turned right around and went and found him and healed him spiritually. Listen, I'm just trying to tell you it's all God. Divine initiative is all God. Somebody say amen and write this down. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved. Don't y'all know this one? For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith, and that is not of yourself, it's the gift of, not of works, as any man should. Romans 5, write it down, verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ did what? Died for us, John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Listen, this is divine initiative. It starts with God. It doesn't say when they cast him out, he found Jesus. Huh? It says Jesus found him. Jesus went after him. Jesus sought him. Jesus confronted him with the question, verse 35, do you believe in the Son of God? Verse 36, the man said, 
Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? In verse 37, Jesus said, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. And then verse 38, notice without hesitation, the man said, Lord, I believe. Now, remember, I told you last week, I I pointed out to you the progression of this blind beggar's faith. Y'all listening, the progression of his faith. Verse 11, come on, travel with me. Verse 11, look at verse 11. He said, a man called Jesus. Verse 17, he said, a prophet. Verse 33, he said, this man is of God. Here in verse 38, he says, kurios. K-U-R-I-O-S, kurios. That's the Greek word for Lord. I believe. And he worshiped him. And think about this. Jesus said, I am he. And the man immediately believed. Jesus said, I'm the one. The man said, that's right, you are, I believe. I love that. A poor beggar who saw, listen, a poor beggar who saw nothing for his entire life clearly recognized the son of God. In contrast to religious folk who thought they saw everything, couldn't recognize the Messiah. And some say, well, how did he do that? How could he know that Jesus was the Messiah? He hadn't seen the feeding of the 5,000. He hadn't seen the many, many, many miracles. How could he know that Jesus was the anointed one? Well, listen, two words, write this down. Divine revelation. Divine initiative. Divine revelation. Divine revelation. I think of Matthew chapter 16. You know the story. Jesus and his disciples are in the area of Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus said, fellas, what's the word on the street about me? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say you're John to be. Some say you're Elijah because Elijah was a miracle worker. And some say you're Jeremiah. And some say you're one of the prophets. And Jesus said, who do, anybody know what Jesus said? Who do you say that I am? Because that's the important question. And Peter piped up and said, why, you are the Christos. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the one and the only son of the living God. And Jesus said, Pete, you said it right. As a matter of fact, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father, which is in heaven, has shown that to you. In other words, Peter, you couldn't come up with this yourself. It came by divine revelation. You can't think of this stuff by yourself. Anything you get from God, you get it because God has divinely revealed it to you. Anything you learn from God. Listen, Pastor Roddy don't learn you anything. I don't know whether y'all should say amen or not. That's a trick one there. But when you leave here and whatever you get, whatever you know, listen, it's the Holy Spirit. I can stand up here and talk till I'm blue in the face. But if the Holy Spirit does not reveal it to you and show it to you in your heart and make it come alive to you in your heart and you understand it and you receive it in the spirit, it falls on deaf ears. It's nothing. I can't learn you anything. Whatever you learn, you learn by divine revelation. Are you listening? I'm waiting. You learn it by divine revelation. And the same way this blind beggar knew Jesus was the Christ, the same way Peter knew Jesus was the Christ, is the same way you and I know that Jesus is the Christ. It comes from divine revelation. And that, my friend, is a gift of God. And when Jesus says, 
It is he that is talking to you. Jesus is saying, I am the son of God. Four times in John's gospel, got a pen? Four times in John's gospel, Jesus says, I'm the son of God. John 5, 25. John 9, 37. John 10, 36. John 11, 4. 5, 25. 9, 37. 10, 36. 11, 4. Jesus says, I am the son of God. Listen, John wrote it down every time because that's the purpose of the epistle or the letter of the gospel. I told you in the beginning, were you with me in the introduction of John when we first started? And I told you in the beginning that John wrote this gospel for two reasons. Number one, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And number two, in believing you might have life through his name. We find that in John 20, 30, 31. I have it for you on the screen. And truly, this verse, you want to take notes, write this down. This verse tells us the reason for the gospel of John. The whole reason. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might do what? Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Come on, read it with me. And that believing you may have life in his name. This is the sole number one reason why John ever sat down and wrote the gospel of John. Because he wants us to understand that Jesus is the Son of God. And he also wants us to understand that if we believe in Jesus, we too will have life in his name. Look at verse 38 in 9, in John chapter 9. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. I love this. This is beautiful. This beautiful blind beggar just fell down and worshiped. Isn't that an interesting contrast, again, from the Pharisees who saw Jesus in chapter 8, verse 59, and they picked up stones and they threw them at him, and one person picks up rocks and another gets on their knees and kneels and worship. Isn't that interesting? One group picks up rocks, another gets on their knees and they worship. You know, everybody likes a good ending to a good story, don't they? And here's a good ending and a good illustration of what God starts, God completes. Did you hear me? What God starts, God completes. The story started as Jesus saw the man and healed the man. Later, Jesus found the man to finish what he started. He was sought by the Lord. He was given his sight. He went and told his friends. The Pharisees got a hold of him and they unsynagogued him. And Jesus found him and the blind beggar fell at his feet and worshiped him. You know, as I read this story, it could be, listen, you could apply this story as a biography of every believer. Think about that. This story is a biography of every believer. Watch this. Jesus found you. I need every saint who's been found to say amen. amen. Jesus found you. Jesus gave you spiritual sight. You went and witnessed. Just like the man Jesus found, Jesus gave him spiritual sight. He went and witnessed. The world threw him out. Listen, the world will throw you out. When you become a Christian, do you realize you lose all your current friends? 
I was looking at somebody's Facebook account. For those of you that don't know, I'm on Facebook watching all y'all. And, uh, <laughs> I'm watching you. And, uh, so I, I was looking at this one account and this young guy, he's, he's I'm 16, 17. And, um, and, and he goes to this church and, and, I, and I noticed I was looking at his Facebook and I, I think it's the timeline. They call that part where like the conversations are going. And, uh, one guy said, haven't seen you in a while, and he started talking about Jesus, and, and he said, uh, uh, yeah, you know, we used to, you know, do, do to do, whatever, and, yeah, and he started talking about Jesus. He, Man, ever since you got on this Jesus stuff, you don't hang out with us no more. He goes, yeah, well, you know, Jesus, so on and so, so forth, you know, and he goes, man, you know what, we, we, they, the, the end of it was we can't be friends anymore, and the guy was like, you know what, we can't be because now I'm a Christian now, and I got to walk with Jesus, and I'm in my office praising the Lord by myself, clapping my hands by myself because that 16 to 17 year old understands something that 50 year olds don't get. When you become a Christian, your life changes. When you become a Christian, first thing's going to happen is that the world's going to throw you out. I remember when I first became a Christian, I told you guys, y'all know my story. When I first became a Christian, I left work on Friday, y'all know. I was one way on Friday. I, you know, you heard the term cuss like a sailor. Uh, that was me. I was a sailor. And uh, let's see how I switched that around. And, uh, and, and I left work on Friday, and, 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 and I got saved on Saturday night. And I went to church, I went to church on Sunday because that's what Christians do. I went to church on Sunday. Now, mind you, I've been a Christian for almost 48 hours. I went to work on Monday. Now I've been a Christian for almost 72 hours. So I walk in the office and I say, you know, I'd like to have everybody's attention. I literally, I just, God's my living witness. I've asked my wife, she'll tell you, I came home and told her what happened. I said, I'd like to have everybody's attention. Gather around, please, everybody. It was about 13 people in the office, gather around. I want you all to know that over the weekend I became a Christian. And I also want you all to know that you're all going to hell. <laughs> literally, and they were like, Whoa, man, what happened to you? I went, well, on the weekend, like I became a Christian, well, the pastor was talking about that on Sunday, and I didn't know that, you know, you should have words seasoned with salt. (laughs) The pastor didn't mention that. He just said, tell folk they're going to hell. I said, well, that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. So I started telling folk, hey, you know you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Okay, okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I look back, I was so ignorant. And uh, <laughs> I, was, I was obnoxious too. And, 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 and you know what? And then, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, 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 it'll wear off, it'll wear off, you know. And then, you know, a week goes by and I'm still the same, month goes by. They stopped inviting me. I, at lunch, they used to go out to lunch, get a brewski, get some wings. They stopped inviting me to go get wings. And I'm like, okay, I feel a little insulted, but it's okay. You know, hey, y'all do y'all, that's fine. And they, they, they stopped inviting me because they start throwing me out I'm outside of their circle now. When you become a Christian, the world is going to throw you out. Jesus said, they hate you because they hated me first. You should not expect to be liked by the world. As a matter of fact, let me tell you one thing. I didn't tell first or second, so y'all count yourself blessed. If the world likes you that much, you might want to check in. 
you might just want to check in your walk because something you ain't saying because everybody likes you. If you're talking about Jesus, everybody ain't going to like you. If you tell that, tell that guy, listen, I'm saving myself from my husband, well, he'll move on to the next girl. And that's exactly what he ought to do. I know I'm preaching to somebody in here. And that's exactly what he ought to do. Uh-huh. Y'all better hear me. Because they'll throw you out. The world will throw you out. Well, then they began to mock the blind beggar, the biography of the believer, the blind beggar. But then they began to mock him. And, and the world will mock you. And they started mocking me. You know, they started calling me deacon. You know, hey, deacon. Yeah, how you doing, deacon? They just mocking me, deacon. You know what? But it's really interesting. Tell me if I'm right about it. It's really interesting. As soon as something goes wrong in their life, as soon as something happens, the first person they call is the Christian. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.